Good morning and welcome to Sunday Story Hour, where we share real life stories of how our guests have come to understand themselves in a more loving and empowering way through the lens of human design. By knowing and trusting ourselves, we develop deeper, more honest relationships and unlock our true gifts. I'm Kathy Bashanko, and my guest this week is Linda Nicholson. Linda's a 6-3 pure manifesting generator, left angle cross of upheaval. And hi, Linda. I met Linda at the con- first conference I ever went to, and wow, what a breath of fresh air you were to me. I mean, not that anybody wasn't fresh. I just met, it was just so, I, I just really enjoyed all of our conversations and have ever since then. So welcome, Linda. Thank you, Kathy. And I enjoyed meeting you too. So one of the things that was um, most memorable about that conference for me was when on the last day, you and I went and had dinner, just the two of us. And we just had such a lovely chat. And it was really interesting to me to see how different some of your perspectives were on um, different things that I was learning about and I think that's because you were the first person I met who had trained and you know, studied and trained with Chaitan Parkin. Yes. Um, that was So that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I would just love for you to just introduce yourself a little bit and then go right into how you, how you wound up finding human design. Okay. And, you know, actually my story of how I found it actually is very, um, it's a good example of a sacral person of how things happen in one step, one step, one step. So I'll, I'll be happy to talk about that. So I, uh, I was a social worker for 36 years. Um, I started as a direct care person and hit every rung along the way. And eventually the last 15 years, I was an executive director of a social service agency we worked with people with intellectual differences and mental health and mental health issues. And um, I, when I stopped doing that, I was really looking for my new purpose. And especially knowing now with a completely open identity center, people that have an open identity center, we tend to yearn, yearn in a big way to find our purpose. And so I was yearning, yearning, yearning to find my next thing. And I was really focused on it. And um, I went on the Martha Beck website to get a coach um, mm-hmm. to help me with it. And I wound up signing up to for coach class. Uh, Martha had this little movie on her website that was amazing where she, uh, it's not there anymore, but she was dangling this little rock. And it was a, a she said, this is a lodestone or a lead stone. And the amazing thing about this is when it gets struck by lightning, it gets magnetized and it can be a magnet. And she said, so when people have been struck by lightning, by difficulties in life, by hardships, by losing a job, losing a relationship, something going wrong, you, we can become magnetized ourselves as we heal ourselves and we can help other people with that same issue. And I watched the movie about 50 times, and then I signed up for the coaching class. During that, um, the way I found human design, um, in October 2016, I took a, um, a, a, cl- a class on intuition with a naturopathic doctor from Canada named Tina Christie, an absolutely amazing person. And um, I got on her website list by some serendipitous way. And when I went, and this was when I was dying to find my purpose, I was, um, I would get her emails and I would go, oh, I was so excited when I would get her. I had a real sacral response, although I didn't know it then. I was very excited to get her emails. So I, oh, I, I always followed her stuff. So then she introduced this class. She was having a six week class on intuition. Um, and she said, we're going to be using this amazing tool. It looks very strange, but wait do you see. It's so cool. It gives you so much information about yourself. So I took, I took the class and I immediately fell in love with human design. I was fascinated by it. I wound up coaching with her for, for several months. And in the process of the coaching, I said to her, how did you learn this? This is amazing. So she had learned from Karen Curry Parker. But she suggested to me, being a sacral person, she gave me all the different trainers. And she said, I suggest for you that you look at everybody 
and you decide who, you know, who, who gets you going and who feels right to you. So I looked at everybody and I fell in love with Chaitan. And everybody I, was very much a smaller group than it is. Everybody was a smaller 2016, group 2016, right? This yes. is like now everybody would be like hundreds and hundreds. Yes, right. that is so true. It was a few basic, basic groups back then, right? Mm-hmm. And I looked at who was training. And I, of course, I love Karen. And now I've taken classes with her. But at the time, I literally, I fell in love with Chaitan watching the his YouTube videos. I looked him up and I I felt very drawn to him and his wife, Carola, and they did the training. So I started the Martha Beck training in June of 2017. I started Chaitan's training in um, October 2017. Um, and then so I did levels one, two, and three with Chaitan. And then we did the level four in person in California in 2019. Um, and so I kind of, and the reason why I say it's kind of, it's a good story about being a sacral being is that one of the theories is that you don't have to find your life. It finds you. Right. But this, but the waiting is really scary. It's very nerve wracking. And that's where I was, that I was in this place where I was so focused on finding my new purpose. But now that I know that especially people with an open self-center, we're here to let life show us. And especially being a sacral person, I realize now like it one step, one step, one step. And it really does come when I'm ready and when other conditions are ready. So uh, I combined both of them, the coaching and the, you know, and the human design. After the, um, after the level four training in California, uh, Chaitan and Carola also had a group. They, co- they call it evolutionary human design. Mm-hmm. Karen calls it quantum human design. It's it's the, um, the, it's the moving it forward into like really, um, awakened, empowering language. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I took a, um, a, a four month course with Chaitan and Carol on what they're calling evolutionary human design, which is all sorts of adding in all sorts of like relationship things and the transits and, um, how to do, uh, life path readings and all that kind of thing. It was so many things. And then I mentored with Chaitan for six months privately. Yeah. Um, and um, that, and it's interesting, that was sort of, that was still going on when the pandemic started. And um, so we, I did that. And then actually during the pandemic, I also started like just playing around and, and I took classes with, with Karen Curry Parker. I took classes with Jenna Zoe. I took classes with Katie Irvine. I, I, each person, oh, and I got a, the purpose map by uh, Christy. And I'm not sure if I'm saying or not. Ing, Ing. I've always uh, said it Ing, but I don't know Ing. for sure if that's how you yes. say it. I got, I, I, I learned so much from every person. Of course, I, Chaitan is my mentor and I, I learned like that was my beginning. But I have to say, I've also learned each person has their own different way of saying things. And I'm always looking for like the most positive, most uplifting, because I really do believe that we're here to be a catalyst for other people. Um, And I can see it happening when I'm with somebody. I can see that the wording we use, Chaitan always said that when we're doing a reading, it's like a transmission with somebody. Mm-hmm. And he did say that certain gifts in the design are um, more more empowering than others. Like he's got the forty, the forty three twenty three channel, mm-hmm. and um, when he would talk to you, it literally like you could feel it in your body. When he would say, like I remember when I first started the class, I was very depleted from my job, and I was telling him I was going to be getting a little bit of a break. Um, and I was saying, I'm, I'm excited. I was so depleted. I didn't feel like a manifesting generator at all. And I was telling him, I, I, I want, I'm getting a little bit of a break. And he said, well, how long of a break are you going to get? And I said, I'm not sure. And he said, how about for the rest of your life? And I, and I still remember that moment because it was a transmission for me. And his point was that this work is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be joyful. It's not, it's, it's supposed to feel really good. And it doesn't mean that I was never going to do work anymore, but I wasn't going to do the kind of depleting work. Um, and 
And literally, I remember that moment. And that was in 2017 that he said that to me. So I love how Chaitan says that when we're doing a reading with somebody, when we're doing coaching with somebody, it is literally a transmission. And I believe now that it's all in the person. It's all there, whether we know it or not. And we can be like a catalyst and a messenger to kind of wake it up in the person to help them see it too. Yeah. And you know, that's so beautiful. And as I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that, that day when we were having dinner and you looked at my chart and I just remember how you made me feel so like that it's this idea that, yeah, everything I already knew about myself, that the world had been telling me I needed to change and to fix. You were like, Oh, wow, look at this. You're this way and you're this way. And you made it seem like, like you acknowledged it as the gift that it really is in a way that was like so empowering. And just really, it really was something that made me feel. And every time I talk to you, you do the same thing. And that's really a beautiful gift that you have um, have embodied in a way that is, you know, very very, very memorable. I mean, you're someone, you don't have a strong social media presence, so I don't see you often, but I think of you often. I think of the things that you have said to me in a way um, that has a, a real lasting impact. And I think that's, you know, that's something that's inspiring to me also. Like I want to make sure that as I am telling people about themselves, that I'm doing it in a way where they see that they are once in a lifetime cosmic event, right? As um, Karen yes. likes to say, you know, yes, yeah. Well, I, that is, makes me feel so good, Kathy, that you remember it like that because that is literally what what I think my job description is. To uh, I went to see um, Esther Hicks channel Abraham. I did an Abraham Hicks cruise uh, right before the pandemic, and somebody got up in the chair and and said to Abraham, "How I'm a coach? What is the best thing I can do for somebody?" And Abraham said to to him, see that person through Source's eyes mm -hmm. and hold that. And if my conscious son is in gate 18, and I love the gene keys too. And the the gift in the city of, of gate 18 is seeing the truth, the wholeness, the true potential of that person um, and holding that light for them, like being that candle holder and holding that light and then at, and then holding it at, at, and helping them to see it too. Um, and so that's, that's literally what I see as my job description with, with what I'm doing that, um, to, and it's really, they said it's really important to align ourselves first. Like we've got to align ourselves in our own power first because you can't help from frustration. You can only help from love. So yeah. we've got to, the goal's got to be to see that person in there who they truly are, not with whatever challenges they're presenting or whatever they're going through, um, and doing the same thing for ourselves, you know. And that's I think that's the goal of it to see the truth of that person um, and to see them in their highest light and to hold that in, and we believe it so strongly that then they do too. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's just, I just really want to pause on that because it, it's that that's a lot. Like it's, it's important, right? Yeah. And, you know, so many times people come to something like human design, whether it, you know, because there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of doorways to fighting yourself, right? And I always say that, you know, human design is one doorway. And for me, it was, the doorway that led to where I want want to be headed. Um, but it's not for everyone. And I think what's happening though is sometimes people are getting so want trying to make it be something that it's not. Like they're trying they want they want it to be the doorway. So they open the doorway, but then they don't know what to do. And so they're trying to make it be a I think you, when we were talking, used the word prescriptive, right? They're trying to make it prescriptive. Like, okay, if I'm, I am a projector. So now what do I need to do? Oh, I just need to wait. Okay. I'll wait. And then somebody's going to recognize me. And then somebody's going to invite me into 
this great life that's somewhere out there, but I just have to wait. Boy, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. And then it becomes this like trap of bitterness, right? Yes. You get more bitter because, okay, I'm waiting. I'm doing what I'm told. I'm following the rules. Right? Yes. And it's just so sad to see these conversations that are happening about human design where people are saying, you did what? You can't do that. You're you're a generator. You don't have a motorized throat or, or you're a projector. You don't have a defined sacral. You can't do that. You know, yes. it's ridiculous the way people are are using it to like keep people small when it's meant to help us to know that we already have the truth inside us, right? Yes, abs. Well, here's what I would say about that. I think I told you, I uh, I follow Nick Polizzi of the Sacred Science. I just love him. And he, one day he had on his website, he had a, he had an email that he was in uh, Hawaii, in the jungles of Hawaii. And he said he found, they found this ancient kahuna prayer that stopped him in his tracks. Like he was like, wow, like he knew it was really important. And the prayer is, take all that I say and toss away without a thought, all that does not strike within you a recognition for you do not learn wisdom and love. You only encounter catalysts to remember it, for it is all within yourself. Mm. And so Chaitan always said that human design is a self-remembering tool. Yes. So that's So the prescription thing is literally the opposite, I think, of why uh, it brought channel into the world. Mm-hmm. It's It's meant for liberation. And it's interesting, you and I both have the gate of provocation in our design. So we are here to be a part of this. Like right. part of what we're here for is to be part. And that's, I think that's why it resonates so much with us. That this is about liberation, not prescription. Mm-hmm. That, um, so yeah, I mean, this idea of you can't do this, you can't do that. It's any, anyway, because I also love how Abraham Hicks says, we never get it wrong because we, and, uh, because, and we never get it done. Because if we try something and it doesn't go well, then we've learned something and we're we're never going to get it done because we're beloved eternal beings. And so it's, it's worth a try. And so, yes, I, yes, there's certain things that you, I'd say when you get, when somebody tells you something about your design, for instance, with you being a projector, you know, wait, waiting, you, I think you, you go, you go into that in how it feels to yourself, for instance, like, what does it feel to really be recognized and acknowledged? Like, who are the people that you really feel like see you, see the the things that come that that are you think are important? Do the gifts come alive in you? Um, well, for instance, that even that night when you and I were were having dinner, I think like you felt that I was really seeing the truth mm-hmm. of you, and like and ignore and saying, "Wow, you got these gifts." Like I love, I think I told you this, Chaitan said to me one time when I was mentoring with him, I would bring my charts. I was doing readings with people and I would bring my charts and he would help me like see things that I wasn't seeing at the time, which he, he sees so deeply, of course. Um, and there was, it was a projector who had that, I know I've told you this, the 4426 channel. And he literally said, he said, a projector that has that channel can write their own ticket. And, and I was like, oh, like I actually feel excited in my body where I hear stuff like that. And then I couldn't right. wait to tell the other person and I couldn't wait to tell you, like, it is such a gift to, to be, you already are the seer and see people so deeply. And then you've got that, which, and so I get really excited about like people's gifts and I get really excited about being able to tell them that. So that's, that's what my, my focus, like, I love to take a look at the gifts and and to relay them to people and have people see them through my eyes um rather than you're right like this thing about don't do this don't do that i that's kind that's really the opposite of why it came into the world right yeah and so you so you spent 6 months with chaitan on a mentoring level. So I'm imagining that's less structured than when you were doing the training. It's more like, what do you personally need? That's exactly what it is. I mean, any with him, he said, anything goes. I could talk about my, my development, my issues. Um, 
what I one of the ma- one of the things that I loved about what he taught me in mentoring was um, the, about looking the how the gates tell a story, mm-hmm. and yeah, like Karen Curry Parker says, like it's like a a Rolodex of sixty four archetypes, and these are right. yours, right? So it's that and that's one of the things that was kind of his one of his specialties that um, that the idea of, of the gates telling a story was was a new concept to me. Mm-hmm. Now. Like when I see a chart, again, it's very important to relay the basics. I know I know that, and he taught us that too. But it's I like to take a look and see. It fascinates me how like how the gates do tell a story about the person, and how like basically what how he taught me is that all the 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 other gates kind of support like the the, the sun, you know, the top. Like it all fits in together. It's and it all it's also dependent on your type. Like think things that are challenging for people it really does fit together as a story and that was one of the main things that that he taught me in the mentoring um he used he also gave me so much confidence because i was doing readings then and i i i was people were coming to me who were really um experiencing certain like challenges Mm -hmm. and i i really like i thought i felt really responsible to make sure that i gave them the, the best i could and he really helped me like to, to, to feel good about that. And to say, like, he'd say, no, you, I'd say, oh, I don't know. Like somebody would come to me with all these issues and I would, then I would meet with him and I'd say, I don't know, can I really do it this time? You know, am I going to be able to do this? And he would like give me the confidence that I could do it. Um, and he would, he also helped me to see that the divine timing of it, that like people were coming to me for a reason at that time. Mm-hmm. Now I call it the 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 universal divine waiting room, and I I just laugh when or like, and I have a smile with myself. Like each person that comes, they 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 come um, at just the right time. Like sometimes I've had people like somebody would buy a gift certificate for somebody, and they wouldn't come for eight months. Mm-hmm. And I just did a reading with somebody who uh, he said, "Oh, I'm sorry, it took me so long," you know to schedule this. And I said, absolutely not. Like, I, I think when the person schedules it is when they're ready. And, right. and so that's the people that come to each of us are the people that I, you know, the universe is like, a, is co-creating and bringing the people to us who need us at that time. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, um, you said you got more confidence through all of this, but I'm wondering what are the parts of yourself? And I didn't ask you this ahead of time, so I don't know if you've thought of this. What are the parts of yourself that you had maybe thought you were supposed to change that by finding human design, you realize, oh, that's who I am and you've been able to embrace? Oh, so much, so much. So I've got a lot of openness in my design. I only have three defined centers, my throat, my spleen, and my sacral. Um, and I grew up, um, with my my sister has a defined ajna, defined self center, so I grew up around a, a people with more definition, um, right. and especially I have a completely open self center and a completely open heart center, yeah. um, identity center or G center, whatever. Um, and I I I noticed that I would be different depending on where, like, on who I was with. Right. And in some ways, like I kind of th- saw it as my superpower, like the fact that I could fit in with lots of different people. But I also thought there was something wrong with me. Seriously. Like I used to think like, where is my integrity? Like, why am I so different depending on the person? Um, and I could tell that I, and again, part of me thought it was my superpower that I could kind of morph myself depending on where I was. But part of me thought there was something really wrong with me. And I would look at other people uh, and think, you know, why are they so solid and why am I so loose, so flowy? The the mind center, like this idea of being sure of your thoughts, like being like the the one who's locked down sure. I used to have this fear of being called for jury duty because I had this picture in my mind that I would be like that one person on the jury who like was created a hung jury because yes. I, I couldn't make up my mind because literally when I'm with a group of people, I, and I think you can probably relate to this too. It's like, okay, they made a good point. They made a good point. They made a good point. Right. And then to be feeling like lockdown sure all the time, 
I used to think, like, why am I so wishy-washy? But now I realize that is not wishy-washy. That I think literally I'm built to be the one who's very open-minded, a flexible thinker. And like the thing that you and I have joked about as far as like being in conversation and forgetting things, my friend and I, she also has an an undefined Ajna. She calls it follow the butterfly. So we'll be in conversation and we'll be talking. And it's like, and then like, oh, and this, and then this, right? We're a little distractible. And then we can't remember what we were going to say back here sometimes, right? Yeah. And now I think it's funny. I just have a laugh at it. uh, because, And I used to think like there was something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's part of my, um, my unconscious earth is gate 38, which is the, 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 I call it the sacred. I love how some, I got it from somebody, the sacred warrior. Um, I, so people, and I love how, um, Richard Rudd says the unconscious earth is like your purpose essence. So it's like the essence of what you're here for. So for, and one of the questions you, you ask when you have that gate is what, what bothers you about the world? What's important to you? What do you value? Helps you focus on like, what's your mission? What, like, what, what are you here to do? And for me, homogenizing, like everybody has to be the same because I always felt like there was something wrong with me because I always felt so different. And especially with a six, three profile, right? Like, uh, you know, really felt different. And the other thing that really bothers me is pathologizing. Like when people like pathologize somebody and say there's something wrong with them for being mm-hmm. how they are. And I think that's because I always felt there was something wrong with me. And um, when I did coaching to help me figure out like what I wanted to say on my website, one of my messages was, you're not, you don't need to be fixed. Your design is who you're born to be. And I think the reason why that it was is one of my points is because I always felt like I needed to be fixed. I felt very different. Um, I have I have an undefined solar plexus. I only have one gate. I have gate six in the solar plexus. And um, I think I told you this. And I don't know if Chaitan would mind me saying this, but one time when we were talking about my design and other people, I was getting a lot of people that had an open identity center open heart center and open solar plexus, just like me. And Chaitan said to me, truth be told, I call that the heartbreak hotel design because you have to be very careful about what relationships you get into because we we can have difficult relationships because we tend to be very adaptable. We tend to be people pleasers. We don't always know our worth, you know? And so that combination, but he said, don't ever tell anybody when you're doing a reading, don't ever say that. But honestly, I told him, I said, that actually was so validating for me and it explained so much. Yeah. And I didn't feel badly at all about that. It really gave me a good heads up that there, it's not like there, my history of relationships, it doesn't mean there was anything wrong with me. It just meant that this was my life journey to address these things. And so that I found that very helpful, actually. But you can see where with the way people are, with the limitations they take from things, where some people, if they're in the wrong headspace, will take that and say, oh, I've got these three open centers. I'm screwed. Yes. I'm doomed to always be brokenhearted. Yes. And that's that whole prescriptive idea that people see things as, um, you know, prescriptive in nature instead of really um you know like this idea of it being a way for you to contemplate your nature and find your own truth yes. in a way that's empowering and that's not always easy for people to do and i i do worry cuz when you like when you go we're going back and you were talking about how this person said here's the Here's the teachers you could train with back in 2016 or 17 or whatever that was. You know, that was a handful of people. And now um, when people are looking at that, there's all these people out there who are teaching people the mechanics and, and not even the mechanics, the labels of human design that haven't even really embodied or it themselves right and they're yeah. they're so excited about this knowledge and i can i can speak from experience it's really easy to get caught up in the learning of human design right 
Yes. Yes. So there's, you know, so really knowing how people need to know that they've had that personal transformation themselves and that whenever they're conveying anything, it's coming from that lens of how can I empower this person to have their own personal transformation, not how can I tell them, oh, you can't do that. Right. Yes, absolutely. And that is that that experimentation, mm-hmm. that practice is such a good point. And yeah. that is hard. So one of the big things we talk about in human design is how it is very layered and complex. Yeah. And where do you where do you start first? You know? And you know, I mean Christy Ng says start with what resonates with you the most, you know, yeah. and then others, most people will say start with your type and authority. Like that's, right. that's the most important thing to practice. Um, and I do think that that is true. And I have to say, I think when I first started learning this, I loved it so much. I think I was learning it and not actually practicing it and embodying it too. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that is my open self-center. I was so focused on wanting to find my purpose that I wanted to yes. learn it as quickly as I could. And I, and I don't, I don't think I realized that I was work. I was, I was learning it more than I was actually embodying it myself. And that took a while to really, and Chaitan actually was in the mentoring. He would remind people to um, like, and, and one of the things he was saying, when you do a reading, always constantly come back to type in authority, like use it in every single thing you describe, like to keep uh, weaving it in. Um, because yeah, so that's really important. Um, and you're right. And actually I, I had to really start taking a look at, cause see, uh, again, the making decisions with our mind, right. Mm-hmm. That's to even noticing when we're in our minds and in, in my Martha Beck coaching class, Martha really focuses a lot too on the body wisdom, like making decisions with your body. Uh, um, but, and it's, so it's, I, we hear it over and over and over again, but I'm one of those people, I have to hear things a lot. Like I listen to podcasts every morning when I'm getting ready, like whatever, you know, a human design one, I listen to Abraham Hicks a lot. I have to, I need a lot of repetition to be able to do something. And so I, I practice it. But again, for me, you know, again, being a big people pleaser and somebody who's in my head, getting in, getting down into that gut, I, sometimes I really have to focus on it. And it's been quite a journey for me. When I first heard that I was a manifesting generator with sacral authority and it was um, explained to me, I thought, okay, I'm completely screwed here because I didn't feel almost anything in my body. I had shut, I was such a people pleaser and such an other focused person that mm-hmm. I, I, I literally, it didn't, it wasn't meaningful to me. It didn't, I, I didn't get it. And, or I thought I was sort of like missed the boat and I didn't know if I'd be able to ever do that. And it's been years, uh, it's been years of practice for me. Um, so what, what would you say to someone who's in that same situation? Cause I know a lot of people who um, first find out about their sacral response and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Or they're like, maybe, and they still don't know how to tap into it. How did you tap into yours? What do you remember the steps you took? Well, the, really, when I first learned about sacral sessions, so you sit with somebody you trust and have them ask you yes or no questions. I have to be honest with you, that actually didn't do it for me. Right. Um, I still, so for me, I had to start with learning about why we don't make decisions with the mind. And that maybe because I've got a lot of, I have a lot of logic in my chart too, or this is the way my mind works. I finally got it when I learned that the the reason why we can't make decisions with our mind is because it's based on duality. It could be this or it could be that. So our minds are our brilliant tool that is kind of like our own personal Google, basically, that that comes up with all the possible options. It analyzes, it strategizes. So our mind lays out all the options and then we go to our body to actually make the decision. And so I know now when I'm in, when I'm trying, because I always learned to make decisions by weighing the pros and cons. Yep. You make, I make a list of, of all the options and you go with what is the, you know, the most logical. 
ask other people for their opinion. So when we're doing all of those things, we're in our minds. And, but that's how we, that's how I learn to make decisions. So the first step for me had to be to really get why we don't make decisions with our mind, that it's a binary, it's, it's like binary computer and it could be this or it could be that. One of the things that Martha Beck taught me was Martha Beck um, loves, I can't think of her name. She is a Harvard scientist who had a, a stroke. And she damaged Jill, part of her brain. Jill Bolt Taylor. Jill Bolt Taylor, I think. Is yes. Right. Martha had us watch her YouTube and she talked mm-hmm. about how when she had her stroke, and of course she was this very logical, very mm-hmm. science-based Harvard scientist. And she damaged um the she damaged the logic parts of her brain. And she talked about how decisions were so much easier for her. And Martha, like in her book, the, the Way of Integrity, her newest book, talks about that, that there are studies that show when people damage the logic part of their brain, they can actually tap into their body wisdom easier and can make and find decision making easier. When people damage the feeling part of their brain, they they dither back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because now we're stuck in the in that binary computer, basically. So for me, that, that, that learning that, that when I'm in the, when I, I can feel it now, when I'm in the, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I, and it's like a stuck feeling. So I'm weighing back and forth or I'm shooting myself or I'm future tripping. That's another big one that I do. I'll say, if I do this, then this might happen. You know, then I'll, you know, meet this person or this, you know, and then I know, oh, wait a minute. Like, so future tripping, we're in our minds, shooting, we're in our minds. or one thing I learned from Jenna Zoe, ask yourself why you want to do something. So why why is that a good idea? Why do I want to do it? And if I can lay out all the logical reasons why, then there's a good chance I've made I've tried to be, I've been in my head, not in my sacral. So that was the first step for me to learn all those ways that I'm stuck in my head so that I can notice that more. And then to literally the next thing that worked for me was to do the sway test because, you know, I, I would, I would do the thing where I would stand up and I would focus on my, on my gut and I would see what I felt and I would see if I went forward or backward. That sway test got me um, connected with my gut. And what I found that being a people pleaser person, like when I would do the sacral sessions with somebody else, I unbeknownst to me kind of unconsciously, I would be thinking like, Again, open self, open up, you know, I would, I, I guess I was trying to think like, what's the right answer? How can I please them? Yeah. I find that I getting out of other people's aura, sometimes it's easier for me to feel myself since I'm so open. So that, that I have to be by myself sometimes to actually really feel it. That's, um, I, I found that now, obviously I don't have a defined sacral, I'm a projector, but I found with clients that sometimes I will try to do a sacral session with someone to help them get in touch. And they just are too in their head. They can't connect or they've got splits that keep them. And so I actually wound up making a video that I have on YouTube and I can, I'll drop the link in um, the comments later, but, um, and in the notes on when this is on YouTube, but basically it's just really simple questions. And it's me just sitting and asking them at a kind of steady pace where they can just feel it and there's no pressure because there's no live person sitting there waiting for their response. And they're just simple things like, you know, are you sitting down? Is it raining outside? You know, those sorts of things. So they can just kind of feel um, into their body a little bit because so many times people get in this, like, am I doing it right? Am I, no, I'm no, the C I can't do it. See, now they're going to think I'm a failure and, or, or they want me to say yes. They want me to say, oh, now I said yes, but clearly the answer is no. And now they're judge. you know, there's all this mind stuff that goes on when you're with another person trying to do a new thing. So. Exactly. Kathy, that's brilliant. Yes, that's exactly it. That's what happened, what happened to me. Yeah. Um, the other thing that helped me too was to tune into when I'm actually excited because when I start with the more um, uh, mundane issues, like that would be the more safe issues, I don't always feel that much. So I have to, like what I start, I started noticing it when I would actually feel that like 
ooh, like I would start to notice like when I would like feel like interested. Every, I think everybody's sacral response or it could be, it could vary. It could be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And so what that is for each person, like when I first learned about it, I actually didn't connect with it that much. I didn't get like the turn on. It took me a long time to practice it and like to hear different ways of saying it. Like, like in the, like in the sixties and the seventies, like the, oh, that turns me on. Right. That, right. Like, so that, I think that, that turns me on. Like that's like the sacral motor, you know? And so to like, for me, I started noticing like what makes me sit up straighter, what makes, and when I would feel excited and then I, then I would tune into my gut and I could actually feel that. And so it just, it took a lot of practice and like the questions for me of, do you like coffee? That those actually didn't do it for me. It, for me, I, I think since mine was so tamped down, it had to be something that I actually felt excited about that I could really feel it. And Mm -hmm. then the more I tuned into it, the more I then could connect on the more mundane things too. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. You know, it's interesting because, you know, you were talking about the swaying, right? And uh, my sister, Barbara, when we had, when I had her on, she was my very first Sunday story, our guest, we were talking about muscle testing and how a precursor to learning some of the other ways of muscle testing is the swaying. And um, as a non-sacral emotional authority, Sometimes my swaying, I wind up just doing this for a while. It was hard for, like, it didn't have the same response. But her, as a pure manifesting generator, and her 20, 34, 20 channel is, you know, in the design. So it's in her body for sure. Right. And so there'll be times where we're just talking and, and she'll, like, I remember a couple of times where she was walking and I asked her a question and the answer was such a strong yes that she almost, fell forward. Wow. Body just so strong. Wow. Right. Yeah. You know, and then it was interesting because recently I heard Karen say that that's, um, that, you know, the 3420, um, manifesting generator will have such a quick and strong sacral response that it will pull their whole body forward more so than even a sound sometimes, you know? Yes. Yeah. You know what I also noticed about that? Like I, when I'm hearing, like listening to a lecture or or hearing somebody talk, I find myself going, yeah, yes. Oh yeah. Like, and I finally just made connected that, um, that that's, I think it's that it's that 3420 that I'm going, yes, yes. Like what you're saying is exciting for me. And it's kind of like coming out, it's coming as a movement and an utterance. And I never knew why I did that. And now I know that's what it is. Right. It's interesting you're saying that about about you and your sister because um in the in the coaching class we Martha was very big on gut on on like on following your gut and um and I I I don't know her birth time but I've done Martha's chart and she does appear to be um I think it's a manifesting generator um if if that's true or not but anyway then I would I would talk I would do readings with people who are in my coaching class and people who are projectors would say I'm just not feeling that gut thing that we learned in our coaching class. And I would say that's because 30% of the world doesn't have that response. Right. And that's one of the things I love about human design so much that it really does. It helps us see that we're all so different mm-hmm. and it helps see like the nuances of that. Well, it's like, well, why, why am I not having that? My look at my sister's having this big response. Why not me? And it, that's why I love it because it's, it shows like, this is why, and you're different. And this is what you have as your gifts. And I like the thought of that. This is what we picked, right? That this is the vehicle that we all designed that we wanted to experience this lifetime in. And so like, this is what we picked. Now it's interesting. My husband, that's a little too much for him. Like he'll say, I think that's where I, you know, I'll say, I think that's going a little too far to think we picked it, but I absolutely think we did. I do yeah. think that we, it's not like we, we certainly have free will and, and our life is open, but I do think there is a rough blueprint of the things our soul wanted to experience in this incarnation. And I think this is the vehicle we picked. That's another thing that really helped me too, because again, I always felt like an odd duck. I always felt like I was really different and knowing that this is what I picked and really focusing on the gifts of it. 
And that's what I like to do with people. Like, for instance, like the, the completely open self center. And Robin Wynn really helped me with this too. Robin Wynn's book on the centers. Robin has an open self center or an undefined self center. And she talks about how painful it was for her as a child. And when I read what she said in her book, I was like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, and so that was really meaningful to me. And so it's this feeling like you watch other people and you think there's something wrong with you. But now I constantly remind myself of the gifts of it, of, you know, being, um, being able to really see other people so deeply. So if, if I think my, if my job description is to be this person who sees the highest good in the person, sees the person, person through sources eyes is here to be a catalyst to help them connect with that. Isn't it great to be this person who can see other people really, really deeply and step into their shoes and see, you know, so I constantly remind myself that these things that I always thought were a problem about myself are gifts that I put together to actually do the work I did before and this work that, and it really is so, it's such a relief up to the point of like actually feeling great about yourself that um, that, yeah, it's like, no, these are, and so to, to remind ourselves of the gifts of, of all our, you know, of whatever we've got, right. And, and, and we can be conditioned anywhere in our design. It's not just open centers, right? One of the things I've said to you is that I think people with a defined heart center can be conditioned because you guys have this stability of your self-worth that, that many of us don't have. And I think that people can be conditioned because I think the rest of us can be a little jealous of that. And people have gotten conditioned, like don't think so much of yourself or, you know, whatever. So there could be conditioning anywhere. Yeah. Right. And so, and I know um, you mean the defined will, because I know defined will. Word, will I know that, yeah, yeah they're the years, but then I feel... I feel like there's been this thing that's happened ever since Karen Curry Parker started making the identity center, the heart shape. So now some people, and you know, the, they both are about love and I worth and all that sort of thing in a certain way. So I always just want to clarify that you're talking about the defined. Which one? Well, um, yeah. Chaitan, so, Chaitan, when he taught us, he calls it the, he that does the crown, he called it the crown, not the head. The mm-hmm. people is the mindset or not the Ajna, the throat center. He called the, uh, it the self or identity center, not the G, like different people call it different right. things. And so, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. And he calls it the heart center, but it's interesting to me. It actually, the will or the ego center is more meaningful to me than yeah. the term heart. Cause you're right. Love is in the, is in the identity right. center. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, and that and can be someone, confusing. As someone with a defined will, and then I have my, identity center connected to my throat that with the one eight. So I speak from a sense of who I am and then I have this defined will. So I have often been told, and you and I were talking about this a little bit throughout my life that I'm, um, I talk about myself too much. Right. And then for me to see in my chart that that's how I'm, how I am meant to, I am meant to empower other people through my stories of myself and my experiences and the way I talk about myself and, you know, and use that in a way that empowers others. Now there's been shadows of that, that I, you know, it's not like I was always doing it in the best way and people just were telling me not, you know, so that's the thing is like, okay, when we're expressing energy in the shadow, you know, and again, that's a part of us. So we have to love the shadows too, right? Right. Not see that that means we're not supposed to express that energy. There's just a higher way to express it. And that's where human design has been the gift for me is people will say, well, don't do this. Right. And they don't know that for me, I'm, that's like saying, don't be you. And then that's just like crushing. Yes. Yes. It's like, can, you know, if you start to learn how to do it, like uh, another thing not to talk, you know, I talk about my sister a lot because she's my person, but when I talk to her and she has an open will, and a lot of times I will speak in a very um, direct certain, I, I think you need to blah, blah, blah. Like I like very almost prescriptive and she'll have to like, 
and like she just right away that's like a big wall but she knows enough and i'll be like can you say that a little bit gent- more gently you know yes. when i realize okay i can still speak from what the same place but with words that aren't so um full of who i am in in this like some of that too i think it's just it's energy okay like, I think I might have told you this, like when I, I can actually, when I'm physically with somebody and even sometimes on, on Zoom, yeah, I can feel their energy since I'm so open. And yeah. so if I'm with somebody with a defined will center, and especially if they're really um, focused on something, I, or the, or even the solar plexus and, and especially on the, the more passionate channels mm-hmm. um, that, you know, I can, I can feel like a wall of heat sometimes coming toward me. And, um, but, but the thing is, I remind myself, it's not my energy, it's theirs. And so sometimes it's a question of what is too much, but again, it's good that she can tell you that. Um, but see for you too, you've got that 4426 channel. Um, I think I told you that Chaitan calls it, it's the creative enterpriser, but he also calls it the heartache healer that people who have that channel can literally see what other people are doing um, that might not be right for them, or you can kind of see, help them connect them with their heart of hearts, with their dream, and say it in just the right targeted way that awakens that in that person. Mm -hmm. So when you were saying like, you'll be saying this to your sister, I think you should do that. So it's the defined will center and you speaking from your self-center, but it's also that amazing channel where you can literally see what other people need and you, and so you're passionate to use it. Right. Like, yes. I do. Sometimes when I'm with somebody who's got that, I can feel like, um, it can feel if the person's not open to it, it can feel like pushy energy and it feel can, bossy. It can feel bossy. Yeah. It can feel like too much. So it's kind of just, it's noticing that, but again, it's, it's modulating that, but it's such a gift. Christy Inkholz, um, uh, gate 26, like people will call that, like it's called the trickster, you know, it's called assimilation. Christy calls it the champion for, pe- for people's dreams. Oh, okay. And I really connected with that. I love that. Like, don't you, like that would be you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. And so I think that's a great gift. So it's, you know, yes, but yeah. it is how, but that would be that, that would be the conditioning of a defined center. Cause when I first learned human design, I thought, we only had conditioning in our open centers. Like, and I was like, oh, poor me, I'm so open and life's been so hard and that kind of thing. But there's, we can have conditioning anywhere. And so it's literally the conditioning teaches us that how we are isn't the right way to be. And the whole point about human design is teaching us that this is actually how I'm designed and how can I use it in the highest expression? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been, that's been the, the biggest part is, and the whole, you know, going back to what we were saying before about the idea of really embracing it as an experiment more so than a body of knowledge. Um, because one of the things I often will tell people is I think kind of the purest part of my experiment was when I wasn't sure I believed it and I kind of put it off, but it kept coming up in hindsight, right? So it's yeah. like, oh, I heard about this thing. I thought it was really interesting. A lot of it resonated. But then I started reading things that were just too, like, didn't, my Ajna couldn't be certain about them, you know, whatever. And I put it aside. And so then I kept going back after something would blow up in my face. And I would be like, well, yeah, because you made that decision like that. And you're supposed to wait till you have clarity. You were super mad when you decided to do that. Or you were super happy and excited and you didn't think about, you know, whatever. And so there would be all these things or like you initiated that you didn't wait for somebody to invite you into that. And then, um, so that was all very pure, just like noticing it, noticing it. And then when I started to really decide to get into it, then I started, um, thinking too much about it, like trying to manage my life through it in a way that, um, became difficult. It came like using my mind to try to do it, especially because I don't have that sacral in the moment response, right? Yes. And so I started, I think a lot of projectors can get, especially can get really stuck in their head, trying to figure out what it means 
to be a projector instead of just feeling it. And so then the the key for me, this big switch came when I finally got this um, notion of just observing. Yes. And, and seeing and saying, isn't that interesting? Yes. Then no judgment. It was like interesting became my word. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, one of the things we learn is that like, like uh, being the compassionate witness, people call mm-hmm. it the sacred observer, where we just kind of look at ourselves. There was um, a neurologist called Oliver Sacks. He's not alive anymore. He called it being like an anthropologist, looking at ourselves like an, um, from the angle of an anthropologist on Mars, like to say, oh, isn't that interesting what that human is doing? Rather and like to give it gives that distance and like to look at ourselves with compassion, with just curiosity, compassion, and even humor. Right. Uh, and Chaitan was very big on on having a good laugh, and I am all for that because that lightens our vibration too. It takes the seriousness out of it. Like to laugh at ourselves and say, "Oh gosh, there's that again." Um, yeah. Like being a six line profile. My husband has this joke with me, like when we go for a walk in the neighborhood in the morning and I see like somebody's Amazon package is like, it fell off their property. It's in the street. I'll be like, oh, wait, we kind of move that because that's going to, you know, and he'll joke with me. Like I notice things. Everything is my responsibility as a six line profile. That's part of your 18 too, don't you think? It's part of the eight. Yes. And he jokes with me. He'll say like, we're going to put that on your, on your tombstone. It wasn't my responsibility. Um, But, but we laugh about it. And it it lightens it lightens it up. Like to right. like to know you're right to notice those things, and then to say what did I learn from it? As we'll see too with me with having a three in my profile, like I definitely had a, a huge trial and error experience my first thirty years. And I mean, I was the kid that tried to get in the baby crib when I got a baby crib for my dolls. I tried to get in the crib too, and I pulled over the whole Christmas tree on myself. And then every year, you know, we would tell the story of that. And so I, you know, a third line person can kind of grow up feeling like they're a screw up because of all the mistakes they made. So, and then everyone keeps repeating those stories as like in humor, but it's like you become known for all those things, right? Yes. And and then it can become your identity. And me with a completely open identity center, that was my, I kind of thought I was a bit of a screw up. And yeah. I, Jenna Zoe says that around the age of, around your Saturn um, returns, so around the age of 28 to 30, you see a third line person starts to realize, or a, a sixth line person that had their first 30 years, like a third line, starts to say, um, I think you actually start to see I am wise. And that actually did happen to me. Like, so I thought I was such a screw up. I, I did all sorts of things. Um but then I started realizing oh, once I had the Saturn return, I actually started seeing that I did have wisdom. Um, and then it's it's a building process. Yeah. Well, we are officially at the top of the hour. And so I have not seen any um, questions come up in the comments, but I um, could talk to you for about six more hours. Um and you are like people tell me I'm an encyclopedia. You're an encyclopedia. I just feel like you just <laughs> can spout out names and and references and stuff. Um, and I'm you know maybe that's a six line thing too because we always think of that being a first line um, person. But I um, I really want to thank you for um, this time and sharing your wisdom with everyone. And if people want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do so? I have a website. Um, my my practice is um, is design your life coaching, like combining the human design and coaching. And that's my website is uh, designyourlifecoaching.net. Okay. And, and people, so- can, people can set up. A, I actually, believe it or not, I'm still really old fashioned. I set up my own appointments. <laughs> I, uh, I, I know I need to get into the acuity scheduling thing, but I haven't done it yet. So I, so you can contact me through that website. Okay. Okay. So yeah, and that's, um, and I know you're not really um, on social media much, but um, we'll put that website in the comments. And then if people want to reach out to you, the contact information is on the website, right? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. 
So um, I want to thank you again. And thanks to everybody who joined us live or on the replays or on YouTube. And um, every week we share stories of how my guests have come to understand themselves in a more loving and empowering way through the lens of human design. How you think and speak about yourself matters. Human design can show you the reframe of not only your own story, but the story you tell yourself about your relationships. If you're ready to start living a better story, I'd love to help you. Gu- I'd help guide you through the process of embodying who you came here to be. And to work with me, you can set up a free discovery call at my website, which is kathybashanko.com. So thanks again and peace out, everyone. Mm-hmm.